0: Everybody hears, they just may not recognize the voice of God.
1: Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. Now, let's jump into this week's show. Hey, Kevin Winters. How you doing? I am doing pretty darn good. I'm I'm busy working on books. My editor, Lydia, and I are going back and forth on the Traveling in the Spirit book. And uh, okay. since she doesn't know anything about traveling in the spirit, <laughs> it's good that she's my editor, but it is a colossal pain because I have to explain everything in really simple terms. And that's kind of weird. Yeah, I just kind of assume sometimes when I write that everybody lives inside my head and they understand <laughs> what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, and so,
1: all yeah, so Lydia is like, I don't get where you're going with this. I don't understand this. Can you explain this a little more clearly? So. Which is good because, you know, that's kind of my, my deal with my books is I try to make things as simple as possible. But it's it's been a little challenging this time around. Uh, imagine. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an easy subject to make plain
0: for people, but you have a unique knack for for that.
1: You, you kind of pointed that out one time. You said um, that's my unique selling point, USP, yeah. is making things simple. Spiritual things simple. So, yeah, that is kind of my, my deal. I have a ton of questions for you, my friend.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: For listeners who are not familiar with Kevin Winters, uh, Kevin and I have been friends on Facebook for a while. We're in a writer's group where we inspire and encourage people who are, whether they're bloggers or they want to write books. We're two of the main contributors to, to that group. And and Kevin and I have talked a lot Because we have a lot of things in common. Uh, We're both very interested in prophetic ministry, in teaching people to hear God's voice, in uh, healing and deliverance and understanding the spiritual realms, things of that nature. Those are the things we're going to talk about in this podcast. Kevin, I don't know how much time you have, but man, I have so much I want (laughs) to talk to you about. Like we've had these little threads on Facebook, and I just think, man I, w- I want to talk for about another half hour about just that one subject because you you have been doing this for a while uh, you've been uh, what twenty over twenty years you've been involved yes. in this kind of uh ministry. you have some very interesting experiences, and the Lord has given you some really cool revelation about things like demons and and the spiritual roots of sickness. You have a couple of new books out yes. I downloaded your uh, most recent book, I think, which is How to Hear God's Voice Clearly. Oh, yes. That's the small book. The big one is, (laughs) is that you, me or the devil that I was looking at that one. I'm like, wow, that book is 360 pages. That is a heavy duty training manual. Yeah, I
0: wrote it that way because I wanted it. I wanted to cover as much as I could because I really would like for people to to sit down and not, you know, when you write a small book, sometimes people have the temptation to just run right through it and then they don't go back. So I like having something that they can go back to over and over again because I actually go back to it myself over and over again and I wrote it.
1: So I, I have to do that myself with my own books because I teach on so many different subjects. When I want to do a teaching on something I haven't taught on in a while, I will sometimes have to go back to a chapter on a book I wrote and refresh my memory. You, When you were young, you met an evangelist who's a young evangelist, and he was speaking mm-hmm. to God back and forth at this meeting where people were getting knocked over in the spirit. And at that time, you didn't actually mm-hmm. understand the whole concept of a personal God who talks to people. Can you tell us a little bit about that day when you met that guy and how that changed your, your mind?
0: That was an interesting day because uh, I had grown up in this church, and when I was there, it was when I grew up there, it was 300 people, and now it's up to about 11,000 people. But at the time, it was about 2,000 people, and the okay. pastor there is was trad- traditional Baptist, and that's what it's always been. So, you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff. I didn't know about speaking in tongues. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Uh, I had never seen any of that before. So, um. When he came that night, it started with my pastor. He met my pastor, my pastor was saying he didn't believe in that. He put his hand on my pastor's shoulder, and he was out in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> he so, put his hand on your pastor's shoulder, and your pastor went down.
0: He went out in the parking lot and so he brings this guy to the church and at first, we thought nothing of it, you know, but he started with the day service and he started ministering. he preached and then at the end he ministered in 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 the gifts and things, and we just thought. I thought, man, my pastor is is going shady. He brought this fake guy in here. <laughs> this guy's fake out money. This is what this is about.
1: So you thought and this so, guy was like from the other, from the evil side or something? Something? Yeah, like I, this, I didn't know. On. I didn't
0: think it was the devil. I just thought it wasn't real. Okay. And it wasn't until later that night when he came back to do another service. Now, I didn't think it was real, but I thought it was fascinating. So I came back that night and I'm looking and I have a friend standing next to me and he falls up against the door where well, he says three thirteen 13 people been healed from sinuses. And my friend falls up against the door. So I turn to him and say, man, what's wrong with you? And he said, Kevin, uh, this guy just, when well, he said that something pushed me up against the door when I felt like a vacuum in my sinuses has been cleaned. So I said, okay, there's, something's going on here. But at the end of the service, you know, this evangelist had been traveling with more Cirillo and, and been all around the world and he never got to come back twice. And so he said, you know, I, I never get to come back twice. And then he stopped right there and he looked up in the sky and he's talking. I'm going, who in the world is he talking to? Then he finally said, uh, yeah, okay. And, and that's what got me because he said, okay, yeah, okay. Then, you know, he said, God said, I'll be returning.
2: I said, what? <laughs> God
0: said, I don't know what happened after that, because I was like, God talks to people, And I really wanted him to talk to me. And so he said something at the end of the night that really started it all for me. He said, There are going to be five people. Now, mind just about two thousand, twenty five hundred of us. Five people. The Lord is going to rest with you for the next three days. I got to be one of those five people. So I had this presence of God on me for it was three days, three days. Of walking with the presence of God. And it just ignited something in me to know that we can talk to him. Uh, the good part was, you know, I didn't—I ha- hadn't seen any bad experiences. You know how some people had bad prophetic experience and they've been jaded. And so they're right. really jaded by the whole thing.
1: Right. You get a bad experience. You get a, someone is operating on the wrong spirit and you get hurt or wounded or whatever. And it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth.
0: Yeah. So I, I didn't have any of that. So I ran full steam ahead, and then I ran into somebody who introduced me to Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. And I read through that, and and listening to him or reading about how, you know, he was spending time with God, and God actually wanted to spend time with him, just made me really throw myself into the presence of God. But uh, I still didn't have a grid for any of it, because I'm at this traditional church and I'm talking about this experience, and nobody's understanding me talking to God they're not understanding this was happening to me they they were there for the same thing but it didn't stick with them like it stuck with me
1: it didn't impact and them the way it impacted you
0: it, it didn't I can't understand that because when I say it was it was a phenomenal night where he would wave his hand or he, he or he would just say the spirit of God is coming from that side he didn't wave his hand he just said he was coming from the left side and then Something would come, the Spirit of God would come from the left side, and people would fall like dominoes to the left. And so it was just, it, it was an incredible experience. People were getting healed. Now, I'll tell you, the turning point for me really happened when somebody I, somebody else I knew got healed, and he was deaf in one ear. That was a shocker for me, because I'm like, I know this guy. I know him, and I know the guy that got pushed up against the door with the signs problem. I know their issues. So I, that's when it all became real for me. And it's it's just been impacting ever since. I mean, I, I get emotional even now thinking about it because I enjoy, I really enjoy my relationship with God. It's just you you do, but had.
1: you took kind of an interesting route because after you got out of school, you were going to be a rap artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And God said, yeah, no, was... you're going to be an artist, but not exactly a rap artist.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was so interesting because even then, while I pursued this. Uh, dream of being a rap artist. I had a dream that I came up um, uh, elevator in in New York City, and the entire city was made of crystal. And it was all crystal. The wow. stairs, the city. It was the most beautiful dream I think I've ever had, and it was so real. You know, it was so real, and I didn't. I, again, I didn't go up. It's, you know, how some people grew up in church where they saw a lot of stuff. I just had no grid for it. So I just thought, man, I had a really weird dream. And it wasn't until later that God explained it to me.
1: How did he explain the crystal city to you?
0: He said to me, he brought the dream back to my remembrance one day while we were uh, talking in prayer. And he said, he just said to me, it would have only taken a stone to bring your fragile world to an end. And that's why the city was made of crystal. He was saying, "It's, Ah. it's a beautiful dream, Kevin, but it's very fragile. And, and you can see that. You can see where people are popular one day, next year their album is, is a flop. And the fans who loved them the, the first year didn't love them the second year. And you see them right. go from, you know, riches to poverty, just like that. Right. So that's what he was trying to tell me. And I didn't even know who he was. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about him. Now I did grow up in a Christian home. so But, I, again, I grew up in the kind of Christian home where I'm an artist, right? You know me, so you know I'm an artist. I couldn't have comic books, though. Because comic books were other devil, I couldn't okay. get like you know the, the fade haircut where it's heavy on top and faded on the sides. I couldn't get that because that was other devil. I grew up. So that.
1: you kind of grew up under a lot of religious, you know, rules that you had to keep. Oh yeah, a lot of religious
0: rules, a lot of crazy religious rules, and that and that was the church before the pastor came, and even after he came, he still had a lot of that. But, after the experience with the evangelist, I will say he he reached out he started doing words of wisdom and he started doing a lot of things. then we became we went from a traditional Baptist church to a full gospel Baptist church you know we we have classes on the gifts and and all of that, but you never see him I mean, you never see him on Sunday, you really never see him uh,
1: that's an interesting subject because when i after I got saved now i was thirty eight years old <laughs> by that time. I got into uh, kind of a, a good Bible teaching. Uh, it was a non-denominational church, and they mm-hmm. taught the gifts of the Spirit, but you never saw them in practice. Like nobody ever spoke in tongues. You never saw anyone healed. You never heard anyone prophesy. It's like we're going to talk about this stuff, but we're not going to have anybody do it because I don't know if there was fear that it was gonna, the devil was going to get in or what the deal was, but it was very frustrating. Oh yeah. And, th- and then I got kicked out of that church. <laughs> And then my wife and I started going to an Assemblies of God church. First time, and, De- and Denise was excited. She was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Because this is the stuff I really want to want to lear- learn about. Mm-hmm. She had been wanting to learn how to speak in tongues for a long time. And the first time we went to this church, I was a little freaked out because I was not ready for that. And there's three women standing right behind me singing in tongues uh, <laughs> during the opening. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that is..." kind of cool it's a little creepy but it's kind of cool (laughs) and And then and then we had uh, prophets come in i remember my friend melody pash came in and she was prophesying over everybody and we'd pray for people and there's people getting healed all the time and uh the holy spirit was manifesting the gifts like crazy every week and that's that was exciting for me how did the lord then uh give you those experiences well if it it wasn't happening in the church that you were going to
0: uh got real excited. And, you know, I was here preaching Jesus to everybody on the job. And so I, doing that, you know, I ran into other Christians and I didn't even know about other types of Christians. I thought everybody was, I thought, of, I only knew Baptist and Methodist. That's all oh yeah. So you were looking in the life. little tiny
1: fishbowl, like everybody was like, a- little fish bowl.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, and so there was a Bible study happening on the job behind us and the guy who, the two pe- people who were running it, happened to be here at the building with me. Well, one of them was, and they were, and one and he was a prophet, and and he's the friend I I told you about online. He, he would start. People would go looking for things like a house or something, and God would supernaturally move him spiritually to the place where they had been looking at the house, and he would be prophesying to them, looking at them in their face, but at the same time walking through the property they had looked at, and he would describe it in detail to them and say, this is the house the Lord's going to give you. And with all of that confirmation, you know, they couldn't help but believe. And so that was my exposure to prophet, the
1: prophetic. So you mm-hmm. ran into a heavy hitter in this Bible yeah. study, and this guy was the real deal. Yeah,
0: he was He was the real deal. Uh, and then he left, and uh, a guy took over the Bible study, who began to, uh, I call him a mentor, but he was the kind of mentor that he never would tell you what God was saying. Now, when you were around him, you were nervous because you know he knew all of your business. And you were like, God, God holds back no secrets about this, you know, about my life from this guy. But no matter how much he knew, he would not tell you what God was saying. So the way he mentored everybody was he would make you go back and find out what God was saying to you. So we would say, Brother James, can I, uh, you know, I'm having this issue. And, <laughs> and he, would, he would say, well, what did the Lord say? We like, Man,
1: he'd hate why he don't you that. tell me what the Lord said? And like, no, well, You told me what the Lord said. <laughs> but he always did that. He always did that. You see, that's that I think personally, I think that is I think that's a brilliant way to, to mentor people. I actually posted a little thing on Facebook this morning. A good teacher shows you where to look, but doesn't tell you what to see. Right. So a good mentor says, look, go to the scriptures and look for this. And this is what the Lord wants you to know about. But you need to find the revelation yourself. I get people who come to me, you know, what is the Lord saying about my life? And I'm like, well, have you asked the Holy Spirit what he wants to tell you? And they're like, well, I don't really hear the voice of God very well. And I'm like, that's a problem. That's the problem. Be- because you can't. Really, you shouldn't live your life expecting the man of God or the woman of God to tell you everything the Lord is saying about your life. You have to eventually learn how to do it yourself.
0: Right. And I always say, if you don't know when God is speaking to you, you still don't know when God is speaking to you, whether he uses a person, a dream, a vision. It still requires some discernment to figure out, is this God talking to me? It could be anybody talking to you. Um, right. And so I always try to point them back to, let's let's get to the, the root of this. Is maybe we need to sit down and let's figure out how you can hear God, because you're hearing God, and that's the thing, and you know this too. Everybody hears, they just may not recognize the voice of God.
1: Yes. For those of you who've read my book, uh, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I am not nearly as gifted or as developed in my gift of hearing God as Kevin is. And if you think my book is a good book, read Kevin's books, (laughs) because you're going to learn a lot more about actually hearing God in his books than you will in mine. My books are very broad. Like I talk about how God speaks through art, how God speaks through music, how he speaks through film, things of that nature. But I don't go very much in depth on the actual – relational aspects of connecting with the Holy Spirit, getting confirmation, getting verification of what you're hearing, all that stuff. Your teaching is really, really good on those aspects. You You know where that came from? That
0: same prophet that God first introduced me to. Now, he was helping me learn at one point, and here we are in the Bible study. We're all watching. We're all in awe of him because he's operating, you know, I had never seen it before, and this Bible study had people that were charismatic and Protestant so some of them were just as new to this as me okay and then God's I, you know I'm seeking God in my prayer time and I'm having experiences and I start hearing God clearly and so I come back to the Bible say now I'm sharing things where the attention shifts because he was sharing things that were you know like prophecy is really like a sign so you know you you'll preach and then the signs will follow and so he was using his signs as his lead and God was giving me revelation on things for how to live and it was always somebody in the room who was saying hey that that was for me I was just studying that this morning and so then I started having my own visions and dreams and I don't know if he got jealous or or what it was but he started treating me differently and one day I was joking with him about some strange thing I heard and I knew it was the, the enemy and he turned to me with a sharp finger and he turned to me and just pointed at me real harshly and said you need to watch who you're listening to and that day began the rest of my life because from that point forward i struggled with doubt i mean i really struggled with it that's where the book title comes from, is this god me or the devil god is this right you, me or the devil
1: I-, I read that in the intro to the book now mm-hmm. what i'm what i would like to know about that particular instance was do you think that that Was him trying to sow seeds of doubt, or was he actually discerning that you were hearing the devil and you weren't hearing God correctly?
0: Uh, I think it was a little bit of both, because he knew that I was hearing correctly, but it was the way he said it. It wasn't loving. It wasn't, you know, you can identify God by the expression. And so it wasn't loving. And then uh, things after that, he would always harass me, like he would say he couldn't leave his job because... I was holding them back because I didn't get to the place he wanted. So he was doing stuff. Then he started doing so. I had those kind really? of crazy prophetic. Yeah. Oh, that's those interesting. of crazy prophetic experiences uh, with him where he became, tried to be a domineering prophet. So I know about that where you had this, there's one that thinks they are, you know, your end all be all and you can't do anything without them.
1: And that's unfortunate because, I mean, you and I both know one of the big issues in church leadership right now is control. Mm-hmm. People want to be in control. They want to have the center of attention. They want to be on the platform. And a lot of leaders are really interested in sort of micromanaging people's lives. Yes,
0: they really are.
1: And Man. when you run into a gifted leader who is like that, it's unfortunate. So you must have had a, a, a short-term relationship with this prophet then because things started to deteriorate, it sounds like.
0: It started to go a little south, but we always remained friends because I was young. And impressed. i was like 21 at the time so i didn't and he was like 49 or something like that but when he finally left town we left on good terms we, we didn't we never allowed it to you know i wasn't gonna let it mess up my relationship with god and he wasn't gonna let it mess up but he just he started to struggle with other areas of his life and like i go into the book later i talk about there was an experience where we're praying and i see demons on the counter and god shows me who they're going to start with first, second, and third, and how they going to open doors for each one. And that's how he taught me about warfare and how they strategize. And so the first thing they did was they opened a door to a woman who started lusting for him. And so that kind of messed up our relationship too because the woman started lusting for him. And he didn't fall into sin with her, but he didn't he didn't reject her advances. And it led to a lot of gossip and, you know, yeah, he, like let the,
1: yeah. Yeah, he let it go too far. Yeah, he
0: let it go. And it was actually the cause. The Bible study went from 20 people to about five because of that event. And eventually oh. there was no Bible study. So
1: so the enemy uh, kind of uh, got what he wanted, which was got what he wanted to shut that Bible study down.
0: He got what he wanted. Yeah, he got what he wanted. And that was a sad day. It was a good day for my mentor because my mentor picked up with it. And then I branched off and started my own Bible study.
1: uh, Uh uh, So the enemy didn't completely get what he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) you cut down a tree and then the apples fall and they spread (laughs) seeds and more trees grow up.
0: (laughs) He didn't get everything he wanted.
1: That's cool.
0: We ended on good terms. Yeah. On good terms.
1: You believe everyone can hear God's voice?
0: I believe everyone. I'm certain that everyone can hear God's voice.
1: We all have spiritual senses, like we all have physical ears that hear. Mm-hmm. We have spiritual ears that hear. We have physical eyes. We have spiritual eyes.
0: Yeah, and you know what God has taught me is, you know, we're hearing and seeing things all the time, but people don't know what's happening. And so, uh, one of the main receptors, and what he this last couple of years, he's really been just dealing with me more about the mind, more about the mind, and pay attention. To your mind and imagination and things that are happening there but people hear hear things all the time but they just don't realize what they're listening to and so that's why I talk about like I have a chapter in that book where I talk about about the mind and its role and how it relates to the spirit and and the whole whole nine because people are always hearing I'll never forget this is one of the ways God really taught me how to pay attention is there I struggled with procrastination on the job and it was getting on my nerves because I wanted to overcome it but I kept number one the job was born and that was all I was a foul clerk back then and we're just born fouling all day I was sitting down and as I was talking to God I said God I'm having a hard time with this just procrastination and he said next time it happens I want you to be quiet and just listen to your thoughts and so I said okay so, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm about to get up to do some work, and then I hear, I hear. You can do that later.
2: <laughs> and I was like, "Who is that?"
0: So people are hearing like that all the time, they They're hearing, "Ooh, don't she look good?" I'll never forget. I was looking out the window one day. I'm married. I'm happily married. And yep. I look out the window and I hear, "Here comes your girlfriend." That ain't my girlfriend. But these spontaneous thoughts that we ignore, this is this is the main way the enemy gets a lot of people. So they're hearing all the time. And the way you increase the volume in that hearing is all you got to do is pay attention to it, and the volume increases.
1: Right, uh, exactly. Now you're yeah. getting into the meat of hearing those spiritual voices.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whichever voice you pay attention to, there's like a little volume knob that turns mm-hmm. it up more and more or turns it down
0: if you don't pay attention to it. Yep. Yeah. So people are hearing, and that's what I try to help people understand, especially when I deal with warfare, is they're hearing all the time. They just don't know who they're hearing. So that's why I focus a lot on discernment, because once you start to discern them, you can hear them, you can hear them clearly. Yep. And even in knowing what's keeping you back or holding you back. When I first started seeing in the spirit, I saw them all day long. I mean, I saw them walking down the hall. They were around people. They were on the job.
1: You saw demons all over the place.
0: I saw them everywhere. They're they're like everywhere. They're like, I've come to the place now where it's absolutely natural that all of these other beings are around. It's just (laughs) natural.
1: Dude, if if people could actually see in the spirit all the angels and demons that are walking around, it's like superimposing another world full of spiritual beings. As many people as you see, there's as many angels and demons out there. Walking yep. around, doing their thing, trying to torment people, trying to bring healing, trying to bring messages from God. It's like there's this other reality and all these spiritual beings are doing this stuff. And like when you hear those little voices, mm-hmm. like, yeah, doesn't she look good? Or, hey, you know, you wouldn't you like to go get drunk <laughs> after yep. work or whatever? You don't think you hear the voice, you hear the thought, and you mm-hmm. think, where did that come from? Yeah, you but, think
0: that but we never put it together that I'm hearing somebody else. And so I, yeah. the other thing I tell people is, you know, it says, uh, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I looked up sound mind because all these years I always thought it was, I'm, I have a, I'm not crazy. But the Greek word means, uh, the sound mind means self-control. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Which means there's a link between controlling yourself and your mind. And so once I began to understand that, I started realizing I have control of myself. That includes my thoughts. The thoughts that I can't control, those are not my thoughts. And, you know, when you hear from God, it's the same way.
1: Okay, so this is a question people ask me all the time. How do I know if it's the devil or if it's God or if it's me? And I'm saying like what you said there, you have self-control, your mind, will and emotions and your thoughts. You have control over those things. Sometimes we don't understand, like we have this thought and go, well, did that come from some, somewhere outside of me or was it my own thought? Well, like you said, if you have control over it, it's an internal thought. If I start to think about, you know, I'm hungry, I should make some bacon and eggs. That's a, If I can make that thought go away that quickly and think about something else, I'm going to think about, you know, going out and washing my car. Thoughts you have control over are thoughts that are internal. Mm-hmm thoughts that arise spontaneously out of nowhere that you did not consciously think about or that when you you can't change them those are external thoughts they're either right. angels or demons or god or some other spirit being because self control control anything you have, right it's a huge piece of the puzzle for people and they don't a lot of people don't understand what self control really looks like
0: and that might be the, the, the problem that they don't know what self-control looks like, because sometimes I struggle with, you know, it's, it's not your thought. You know, did you think it? Did you not think it? But, you know, like it, I had because when I'm talking to God, it's, it's that's that's the, a lot of the ways I have no control over him because he's a person. Every angel is a person. Every demon is a person. And we
1: can't control any of them. When God starts a conversation, I mean, you can turn down the volume knob and mm-hmm. tune him out but you can't change what he's going to say. <laughs> you
0: can't change what he's going to say. And Jeremiah finds that out, right? Jeremiah says, "I don't want to do this no more. I'm not going to I'm not going to do any more preaching for you." And then he said, "I can't cuz the word is like fire set up in my bones." So he was like, <laughs> "I can't make him go away. I'm right. I don't want to do it no more." But and so even when I tell people about when well, you want to know if it's God, one of the big ways that don't don't be so pressed to give it. Just walk away. It'll come again. He won't leave you alone. <laughs> and you know what I mean.
1: I know what you dream mean. I have dream. Oh, man.
0: Person I, after person.
1: I, I don't want to get too much into politics, but I decided last year that if the Lord was going to speak to me about politics, I was going to be open to those conversations. Mm-hmm. And boy, has he been speaking to me about politics. <laughs> It's getting irritating to some of my friends, probably. But but the thing is, he keeps on speaking. And I said, look, I'll be open to this discussion if you want to have it. And he said, okay, well, yes, I'm interested in having this discussion. So if you allow yourself to be open to either what the demons want to talk about or what God wants to talk about, you're going to start hearing those subjects talked about.
0: Yeah. If you're interested in pornography, they will talk to you, show you things, give you dreams. They'll do all of the same things. These are other You're opening a door. You're just
1: opening a door that says, "Hey, come on in. Let's have a conversation."
0: Yeah, cause I try to tell people the the principles of the spiritual realm are the principles of the spiritual realm. I think one of the mistakes the church makes is they say, "Well, this is God, and this is the devil." The devil wouldn't do it that way, but he but he does. They're just principles of the principles spiritual realm.
1: Principles of the spiritual realm, exactly. You why
0: you can hear anything. If you get quiet, you can hear anything. If you give any one of them your attention, you're going to hear them, and it'll it'll be clear, just like any other voice. They'll curse you out do all that stuff. All
1: right. So do you believe that for most people, learning to hear God's voice is like an immediate thing that happens, or is it a process?
0: I think learning to hear is immediate. I think learning to discern is the process. Okay. I think that's… That's where most people struggle um, because it takes it takes time to become confident. Then I, try, I tell people, God is a person just like you. And even though it seems like just because God says something, you're going to trust him. You, you really don't. You have to learn how to trust God. And that's something trust, that
1: trust has to be earned in every in, relationship,
0: even with him. And people don't oh, like yeah. to believe that. But you can look at Israel coming out. Part of the problem was. For 400 years, they've known the Egyptian gods. Now, here comes this new god. Sure, he does something greater than what they've seen in Egypt. And you know, they had they had power because you saw them turn the sticks uh, to serpents. So they, they're not foreign to power, but they're foreign to this power. And they're not sure. They don't trust him. And you can see that all throughout where they just don't trust him and they keep looking back to the old God. So, and, and it's the same with God. You have to learn how to trust him. I'll never forget. He spoke to me in an audible voice. I mean, really clear, loud, audible voice and said, tomorrow they're going to offer you a job. Don't turn it down. So next day, guess what I did? I turned it down <laughs> <laughs> because I got scared because I hadn't come to, the, in my, to a place in my maturity. You weren't trusting
1: God yet. It, that's interesting. You know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so he's chooses the 12 disciples and he's doing ministry with them, and, man, they're having some trust issues with him. They are. Because he's teaching some pretty heavy-duty things, things they didn't want to hear. He's telling them, I'm going to be crucified, and they're, they don't want to hear that. And they're struggling with this issue of, man, should we trust this guy or not? He Sometimes he seems a little flaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: Peter I,
1: denies him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some serious At, trust
0: issues. After three years of being with him. Right.
1: Yeah, people... I think people need to understand that it's natural to have trust issues with God. When I was first started having dreams, uh, the Lord was showing me dreams about me doing some things that I was kind of uncomfortable with, like Mm -hmm. prophetic crime solving. He was showing me addresses of murder scenes, dead bodies. He wanted to give me names and addresses of people who actually committed the murders, like cold cases that were unsolved he was mm-hmm. suggesting to me that he would give me the information and I could go to the police with that information. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not really into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pretty much asked him for another assignment because I didn't trust that he could keep me safe and make that a situation that wouldn't blow up in my face. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you start giving that information to federal prosecutors and the next thing they're going to want to know is, how do you uh, have you know. all this information? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And now oh, you're a God. suspect instead of the informant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it is, it, it is a process of trust. It's I think it is natural not to always trust what God's doing or saying. You brought up something the other day about whether demons have access to information regarding the future. Because a lot of Christians are under the impression that only God is omniscient. And in order for you to see the future, you have to be omniscient. Mm-hmm. That's what they but, but the thing is, God's omniscience means he knows the outcomes and events of all things. But the Bible also says he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have to be omniscient for God to reveal his secrets to us. Right? <laughs> we, just, we just have to have access to the information. The information is out there. Is the information of people's futures available to demons and angels as well as us? Is that a spiritual principle or is that only revealed to certain people?
0: No, I think you know, what this is God's been talking to me over the last couple of days in detail about about sort of this same subject. One of the things he's been actually he's been talking to me for a long time, for years, but you are know, sometimes you just struggle to embrace something. <laughs> what people Sometimes I don't understand is that when God gives us the gifts, He gives, He literally gives them to us, and they're for us, for our use. And like if you're at the point in your healing ministry now where you don't need to be led; you can decide, Hey, I'm gonna go over there and minister to this person and and heal. And then you have people like Bill Heyman, who had Prophet Bill Haman, who's been teaching people for years. Hey, these are your gifts. These are your gifts. You have to use them. So you run into people who never use their gifts. God's not using me. That's not the problem. You're not using the gift because He says, "Let him who prophesies, let him who prophesies. So you have to use the gift. Let who, him who serves in serving." So He tells them. So my point is, God gives us the the gift. The gift is the ability to see, like see the future. So you'll see that a person has the ability to, you know, they just know things, like word of knowledge. Like my, I have a buddy, another buddy. His word of knowledge, you, you almost don't like being around him. He's another one who if he starts speaking in tongues. He's in your business. You just like, man, can we have a day without you being in my business? Stay out of my business. <laughs> but he can do it, but he can do it anytime he wants to. So he doesn't have to wait for words of knowledge. He can tap into words of knowledge. And so right. one of the things that God began showing me, cause I have been asking about this, about this, cause you, they are, we, we know for a fact they are well documented psychics who have things that come, like Sylvia, is it Sylvia Brown or something like that? She's renowned. She's not wealthy and renowned for being wrong.
1: (laughs) Well, a lot, and a lot of Christians say that psychics and tarot card readers aren't right. They're giving us wrong information. Well, my wife, before she was a Christian, went to a psychic, and the psychic told her years ago, you're going to be the mother of twins, okay? So, She has one child, doesn't have any more children. He grows up, he graduates high school, he's in college, and she's thinking back about this word that she got from the psychic, like this lady said I was going to have twins and I'm done having children. She goes through menopause, she marries me, and I have twins. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So this woman saw something about her future and said, I see you being a mother of twins didn't tell her she can be the stepmother of mm-hmm. twins, but it was a it was an accurate word. And this is from a psychic. OK, yeah. she was looking at my wife's timeline way in the future and seeing that she's going to be a mother of twins. They do get accurate information. They have the gift. They're mm-hmm. operating it's in the gift. gift.
0: Yeah, it's a gift. And that's what people fail understand. It's a gift that you can submit to either source. Uh, this is what he showed me the other day. He said, Jesus is in the wilderness. The miracle of changing the rock to red is the same type of miracle as changing the water to wine. It's the same gift operating. But the first time, Satan tried to make him use the gift. The second time, God made him, the Holy Spirit made him use the gift. And so you'll see that it's not about the gift. It's about the influence and the motive behind the gift. And and he's been been really saying that to me over and over. You'll read in, in Saul prophesied in chapter 18. It says in the uh, crazy spirit from God, evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And he prophesied one chapter later. He, he's looking for David. He runs into Samuel. When he comes with the prophet, he takes all his clothes off naked. It says in the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he prophesied and you can go all through. So it's the problem is never the gift. It's the source who's inspiring our use of the gift and how we use the gift. Uh, because I've, I've seen I, the same prophet, the same one who introduced me to this. One day, we were all in the basement. And he got into this place where he wanted to show off. He wanted to show off with his gift. And the first, like, 10 minutes, he was, of course, wowing everybody. It's a whole bunch of us prophetic people. But he had this, the strongest word of knowledge. And so he's showing off. And while he's showing off, the presence of God lifts, because he's not operating from the right motive at this point. Next, we all get this knot in our stomach, because now he's starting to prophesy. And we all know this something ain't right. Something ain't right with this. And all of us, but we don't know what to do. You know, all of us are are new except for one or another prophet who was there. And so eventually he starts rambling and he starts to like almost lose his mind. And so we had to get up and cast out of him a familiar spirit that took advantage of him using the wrong motives. So the same gift that he was using just a minute ago, just a minute before God was using the gift. A minute later, something else was using the gift.
1: So, this, you guys actually had to cast out a familiar spirit from him. We had to cast it out. That that's, was my
0: very first time. I, we had to cast it out. That's the first time I hadn't seen it.
1: That's crazy. I, I would like to say I've never experienced that kind of thing, but I, I have experienced that kind of thing where very gifted prophetic people had the wrong motive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because they had the, had the wrong motive, it made them susceptible to the, a different spirit. And it's never good when that happens,
0: right? But their gifts were still operating, and that's what throw people off because they still see the gift operate. I know a lady, a prophet told her, "You're going to be my wife." Now she was already married, but she went with him anyway. They got into this illicit affair, so uh, it's possible. So that's why I, that's why my my focus, and this is one of the things I love about about God is, He knows how to bring. Pictures together. I believe in community. I believe in partnering with people and working with people because God gives everybody a part. And one thing he said to me one day, he shows me a vision of a, of a circle. And he said, this is what my people think wholeness looks like. He said, but wholeness really looks like this to me. And he shows me a puzzle piece. And what he pointed out to me about the puzzle piece was there were some parts that were obvious strengths and other parts where you had deficiencies, you had weaknesses. He said, this is where my strength is made perfect and weak. He said, but the other reason that I make people this way is so that they can partner with other people. And so you'll see where people have similar passions, but slightly different, right? So you'll see my, one of my biggest things is discernment. Like I can talk about discerning, discernment, and I've wrestled with demons and fought with demons and seen demons. I've had plenty of experiences with that. And so what God allows me to do is come alongside and add my part. And so that's why, even with, uh, with your book, I recommended your book, Mark Bikler's book, uh, Michael Van Blylen's book. I've, I've put those in the back of my book as other resources because I realized that everything God gives us is meant to be a companion to something else. And anytime people isolate their one gift then they have one little perspective. And you've seen people; they'll they'll try to be, you know, they'll try to dominate one section of of truth, and they won't. They're not open to anybody else's truth because they think that God has given them
1: everything. I'd like to say that doesn't happen, but it, it does happen. It's you know, whether it's pr- prophetic teaching or healing, mm-hmm. there are some ministers who want people to think they have all the answers. They've got it all figured out. You just need to take my course, take my lessons, and don't worry about what everybody else is teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, this is all you really need to know. And uh, that is a dangerous agenda. Uh, You know, the Lord gave me that one dream. It was a very powerful dream about how ministry works, like healing. I had this dream where I was way in the future, and I was working as a divine healer. And I would show up for work, and I would literally take out a file of somebody I was going to pray for who needed healing. Uh, The Lord would show me certain things about them in uh, visions, and Mm -hmm. I would pray as I was led by the visions, and my prayers would be recorded and become a permanent part of their record. Then they would go to another person and receive prayer, and that person would pray in a completely different way. The prayers would be recorded and would become a part of their record. They would go to four different people, and when they were done with receiving healing prayer from four different people who prayed four different ways – they would be healed. And in the dream, mm-hmm. everybody was always healed, but they had to go to four different people.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: all that symbolizes to me is the idea that none of us have the whole picture. We're yeah. just little pieces of the puzzle. And, you know, people come to me and say, well, I, I can't get healed. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's a complex puzzle. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. can, I, I can maybe give you one piece of the puzzle, but you might need to go to Steve Harmon for another piece you Mm -hmm. might need to go to somebody else for another piece. And it's, it's a process.
0: And it makes us value. You know, one of the problems we have in the church is people don't value each other because it's hard to value somebody when you think you're a circle. But when you make, when you know, you look more like a puzzle piece and you have areas of weakness, it's easy for you to allow other people to come along who complement your weaknesses. And that's what we, what people really struggle with. So like, I'm still a part of the evangelical church. Then they're, they're a little further along, but they're still not. And so I was going to, you know, I was going to go to a, a charismatic church. And I was like, I'm going to go to the charismatic church. And God said, no, I want you to stay right here. And then he shows me this vision <laughs> of this, this, these logs of fire and this one log. And he says, somebody's got says, in order to have a fire, there has to be a fire present. Those logs won't catch fire without a fire near them. And you're so you're the fire starter. Yeah, I get to be the the guy to expose them to things. And it, it's a little easier because they teach on it at the church. You just don't see it. And so I at least get to help them see it, what they've never, you know, what they've never seen and, and go, you know, so they get a little fascinated with it. And, and my wife is like, my wife don't, my wife thinks I'm crazy.
2: <laughs>
0: she thinks I'm crazy. And, and it's strange that God brought us together because now my wife has her gifts. Some of them operate. But she's not as familiar with everything. And when we got married, I was sort of in a slump with my I couldn't see in the spirit as well. I would see if I wanted to see, but I never really looked. And so I told her about it, but she hadn't really seen it. But when she started seeing it, she thought I was a little crazy. (laughs) But to be she helps to balance me because, you know, when you live in the supernatural all the time, you just look at life from the supernatural point of view. Like, if I want something, I know I could get it from God. I know how to use faith and get it from God. And so for a long time, I wouldn't buy any clothes. I would go in the same clothes until they got worn out. And then I would say, God, I need clothes. And he would show me things like a blank check and send me to the mall and let me go get all the stuff I needed. And then I'd get back, would get back to the job I'd have. You know, he would replenish that plus more so I could go shopping again. And I always lived that way. So I have a lot of those kind of stories. But when I met my wife, she said, you know, you can take just a little bit of your money every month and just get a shirt or a tie or a pair of pants. You don't have to wait <laughs> till you have nothing and get everything all at once. It ne- <laughs> That's funny, but it never dawned on me because I always lived on miracles. And so I learned that God is practical and supernatural. And he so is. My- Right. But you know, but you know, too, Dave, because you, you had that evangelical background, too, when you. Where you, you run into people, you run into people who don't think they should ever go to the doctor, right? You know, I'm, I, you know, my faith, and then they get sick and they won't use medicine, and they won't do things that, you know, they won't use common sense because well, God is all supernatural. That's just their point of view, you know. So for me, I, I listen to to faith things. I've listened to deliverance people. I've listened to a lot of different things to help me stay rounded and experience God from you know all of the different sides where I've met people who don't listen to anybody that's not charismatic or they don't listen to anybody that's not evangelical. They won't listen to anybody that's faith. They won't listen to anybody because they didn't got in their little box. And then when they need faith, they don't have access to faith because they haven't been under a teaching where God can transform that part of their understanding. And so I I believe highly in the the puzzle pieces of the body of Christ. I just believe oh I
1: do too. Yeah. I, I... You know, I I listen to a lot of of wide variety of teaching because it's to me, it's interesting to get somebody else's perspective. I love hearing testimonies about how God does things differently for different people. Like Mm -hmm. I remember watching this YouTube video, which was a testimony of this guy who he had cancer and the cancer was in his chest and it was around his heart and around the vessels, the aorta and the vena cava. And his doctor gave him a really pretty bad prognosis. He said, look, this is a very rare form of cancer. It's not easy to treat. If we do surgery, we probably can't even get all of it because there's a risk that we're going to rip open some of your large blood vessels and you bleed to death. So the guy said, let me pray about it and then I'll see what the Lord says. So the guy was praying. First thing the Lord said was, I want you to have the surgery. He said, "Are you sure?" And the Lord said, "You need to have the surgery." So he went in back to the doctor, and they scheduled him for surgery. And the surgeon said, "We're not going to be able to get all of it. I'm just going to let you know right ahead of time. We're not going to be able to get it all. We'll get as much of the cancer as we can." So he went in, had the surgery. Everything went fine. He comes out, and the doc says, "We got most of it, but there's still some cancer there. But it's too dangerous for us to try to remove it. So you're just going to, you know, we'll do chemo and radiation." And then the guy says, I'm not going to do chemo and radiation yet. I'm going to pray again and see what the Lord wants me to do. So he prays, and the Lord says, you don't need chemo and radiation. You just need to have your friends gather around and pray for you. So he has a little prayer meeting. The friends pray for him. He goes back in. They do another scan, and all the rest of the cancer is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Supernatural and practical. And and you have to be open to let God do it however he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same way every time. Yeah, Actually, my, my mother died that way. My mother
0: got uterine cancer, and she was dead sent, you know, just she was against chemo and anything else. So she let them do the surgery. I said, well, Ma, have you heard from God? Nope. So she stood on something that he, he hadn't said. Right. And and then when it progressed so far and she realized, oh, maybe I should try. Maybe maybe I should try something that it was too late. Right. So and 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 I've seen that with other people where they just don't give. And this is the value of his voice. Just give him the chance to tell you what to do. And don't assume that it's going to be supernatural and don't assume that it's going to be practical. You got to be open to what he tells you to do, because that's the way that's going to work.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're in the, the charismatic Pentecostal church, it's real easy to just assume God's going to supernaturally send some angel down who's going to give you a new lung or a new heart transplant or something mm-hmm. like that, where, whereas God may actually have a different plan. And, and you need to, like you said, give him a chance to speak to you and tell you what he wants to do. I mean, what did Jesus say? I only do what I see the Father doing. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know? You have to ask. You have to ask. You have to ask didn't say I only do what I assume the father wants me to do. <laughs> yep. we, we kind of assume sometimes.
0: We do that a lot of times. And so
1: I, I've gotten to the
0: place where I've gotten much better with, you know, I've gotten to the place where I trust him and I've seen him do enough things where I just, I trust him, but it took some time and it took me failing. And sometimes I still fail, but I trust him more than I ever have. And so, you know, I'm at peace all the time. I walk around in peace all the time. I'm just You know,
1: that's that's the thing that, gosh, I hope the people who struggle with getting beat up by Satan and their life is a mess and they lost their job and they lost their home and they got divorced. If your life is falling apart, I really want you to hear what Kevin is saying because I, I live from the same place. Like, look, I've been divorced. I lost my kids. They moved out of state. I was under investigations from my fire department got fired, getting arrested. People don't understand. They think I have just had this wonderful, blessed life. No, I have been through hell on earth uh, for about seven years. But wow. in all of those things that I went through, what the Lord was doing was he was teaching me how to trust him. If you allow God to do that work in you, and if you allow him to put you through some trials and tests, you'll come out the other side of it a person who has peace in every single circumstance. Yeah. And and you're the you're that kind of guy. I know you are. You have peace. You do yeah. not get rattled about things that happen.
0: But you know the, the thing is what people don't realize is when we talk about the voice of God, when you get rattled, you only make it harder to hear. You only make it harder to hear him because now your emotions are everywhere. And instead of having one voice, you got a whole bunch of voices in your head. You got voices of worry, you got fear, you got all of this stuff happening.
1: As soon as you start to fear,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: open the door for the demons to start talking to you. Yep. And they are going to start talking. They're going to start doing everything that
0: could happen and what should happen. And so. <laughs>
1: What's not going to happen, and how yep. your life is going to crater after this, and everyone's <laughs> going to leave you. You Ain't going to have no friends. You're not going to have any money because God really doesn't care about you. Because if He did, mm-hmm. He wouldn't be letting this happen. They'll do, they'll do all of that,
0: and so that's why I'm coming to that place, like even with um, witchcraft, like people get all worried. Satan is doing witchcraft. Oh, which is this? like in our area now, we have this group because some of the Christians have started little Christian programs in the schools, and so. Now the Satanists have decided, well, if the Christians can have little after-school program, so can we. And so they're trying that. And everybody's just all up in arms arms. Oh, what are we going to do? I said, y'all, we don't have to worry. That's like bringing, you know, y'all bringing the, the need to us. Because this is where we get to show them the difference between God. You know, people want to know the difference. If, if, if it's always only Christians, you'll, you'll never know the difference. You have to have exposure to both. Or or even when it comes to the voice of God, if you only, only hear God, you'll never know the difference between him and and the others.
1: One of the greatest moments in Elijah's life was the showdown with the prophets of Baal.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's like a biblical. I mean, that's legendary, that story.
1: It's like, okay, bring it. Let's have a little contest here. You know what God said to me one day, and it was
0: interesting, you know, when everybody was just worried about witchcraft, he said, I swooped down on the spoils. He said, I'm not worried about it, because I swooped down on the And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, Simon was doing witchcraft when Philip came along. He had already prepped the, the air for the supernatural. And so, they were already open to the supernatural when Philip got there. And so, what was interesting is, as he was telling me this, this guy comes into the office, and he has this knee problem and i thought initially you know i was like man i'm at work and i'm gonna pray for this guy on a job but this guy don't know me like that and when i said can i pray for your knee he threw his knee out so fast that it shocked me because i was i was expecting him to be <laughs> but you know afterward you know what he told me he said oh because i have a uncle who does is a martial artist and he uses chi power and he uses reiki here. and so right. Because he was already open to the supernatural, it made my job easier. Where you and you notice know too, you run into some people, you ask can you pray for them? and they get all, they cringe up and like, well, what you going to do? And that's because they've never experienced the supernatural. And so I don't, right. I don't worry about what Satan does because whatever he, it's not like he's operating without God knowing what he's doing. There's a counter plan in place.
1: He does have a counter plan, and I'll tell you. The people, I've been surprised. I've walked into nursing homes and hospitals and saw nurses limping around with bad knees. And one time I went to this nursing home and I saw this nurse. She had a wrist immobilizer on Mm -hmm. and uh, we dropped off our patient and uh, got signatures and stuff. And I walked over to her and said, hey, what's up with your wrist? Carpal tunnel? Is it tendonitis? She says, I don't know. I had an MRI and they really couldn't find anything. But she had a lot of pain and inflammation and soreness through her wrist joint and up into her thumb. So I said, hey, can I pray for you? And she said, "Uh, yeah, that'd be great. So uh, I had her put out her her hand and we were talking and she was at a Reiki meeting the night before, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask her, okay, so if you're doing Reiki, how come you're not healed? (laughs) But I, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to insult her. But the thing was, because she was doing energy healing, she was open to the supernatural She believed in healing. She believed in the power. She just, you know, is using a different source. And so when her wrist got completely healed and the thumb and everything was great, she was like, this is so awesome. Man, I'll tell you, the glory showed up and she started rocking back and (laughs) forth. And a nurse walks by and looks at us and like, we're just having a little moment here. Don't pay any attention to us. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool because. She was open to the supernatural already. So if people are into, whether it's Wiccan or witchcraft or whatever it is, at least they know that there is supernatural power out there. You can have a dialogue with those people.
0: Better than you can with the Christians.
1: You can because if you're, a, one of the, if you're like a Baptist who just doesn't believe in the gifts of the mm-hmm. Spirit, you don't believe in miracles, you're totally closed-minded. You can't do anything with that person.
0: You can't do anything with them. And I've run into him. And so I've come to a pre- I've come to the place, you know, I don't panic at every little thing Satan does, because I think that people have made Satan like the little God. It's like there's God and then there's Satan God, like they're equals, like he's equally as evil as God is good. But he's not. He, he's, just an angel. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's just an angel. He's just an
0: angel. He's just an angel who convinced a, a bunch of other angels and I always said, man, I always say to them when they come running, trying to harass me, So I say, don't be mad at me. Y'all the dummies who followed him. I don't know what he said to y'all to get y'all <laughs> all to fall down and do something as dumb
1: as what you did.
0: So don't come in here mad at me.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about another subject that you were talking about on Facebook the other day. Okay. You were studying martial arts. Mm-hmm. And you ran into this guy who could make his body immovable.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay, so tell me about that, because that was an interesting story. Well, you know,
0: martial arts is, most people don't realize, when you get to black belt, that's really the start of it. So they don't teach you the really deep stuff until you get to the black belt. And my father's a black belt. He's been a martial arts instructor. So that's why I've always had this interest and fascination in martial arts. And and but some of the things they teach you are uh, how to capture what they call chi power and how to use it. So there's a guy on YouTube who can actually use it, you know, to start fires with his hands and do all kinds of things. So I knew that going in. Uh, I started out with my kids taking martial arts, and since I had to be there for two hours with them, I said I might as well join the class. So I joined the class, and then I find out that you know my, my instructor has been a lot of spent a lot of time in asia he's actually appointed over a new martial arts that is new to korea it's their uh hand-to-hand combat military it's special forces martial arts that's the other thing that attracted me to it is special forces martial arts being taught to regular people in america and he was the grand master of this delegated to america he happened to live around the corner from me. And so we're in class and we're doing all these things and uh, they started to talk about how he is the real deal. And so they talk about how he stood in the middle of an auditorium and invited the people in the audience to come down and try to move. him. And he conjures up his chi energy and they can't move. Him. And now my other instructor is bigger than him, younger than him, stronger than him, but he could not move. Him. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So so I, I didn't think about it at the time. I was I wasn't in a backslidden state at the time. I just wasn't really pursuing anything regarding ministry. Had neglected the gifts and let them go dormant and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he he could do that. He could he could. But they teach that in martial arts, and a lot of people don't realize that. You start climbing up in those second, third, fourth, fifth, they start teaching you the occult part of it. They're they course they do not call it the occult part of it, but it actually is. And so I got exposed to it, you know, really early on, like in high school. Uh, I wanted to be a ninja, so I studied some ninjitsu. And so in ninjitsu, you you do learn, uh, like we had a buddy that would he he called it pulling your it's called pulling the spirit out of a person. So you would focus on the person, and then you would make this pulling movement. And so he would do this, and people would be running and collapse to the ground. And you know, this is the other part, Dave. That's shameful. Is I was in church, but I was starting to have experiences with the supernatural outside of church. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, because the up church in... was spiritually dead and nothing was happening, but you were still – your spirit was wanting to engage probably the spiritual yep. realm in some and, manner. And I think
0: it goes back to that God gives us a gift, and then – He comes along and activates it. But before he does, Satan tries to activate it. because he he tried to do a lot of other things. So uh, I had learned uh, about soul travel and all of that stuff. I had learned that early on and I never could make it work. Except one time uh, I had, I always had a problem with collapsing lungs. My lungs would spontaneously collapse. And at 17, they started to spontaneously collapse anywhere for, for any reason and one day i ended up they ended up collapsing and it caused me a problem so my parents found out because i hadn't told them anything i just i didn't know what it was i just went on about my business but eventually i ended up in surgery and i have to have yeah you know, i get little blisters on the lung, and the blisters would it would explode and cause the lung to fall off the chest wall so they went in and cut all these blisters off on the right side well while i was in the hospital the left side collapsed. So the right side was still healing, I had just had surgery, and the left side collapsed. And you know, as a paramedic, I can't have an anesthesia because it's gonna lower my breathing. So it's a local anesthetic. So they take out the scalpel and they give me this little local numbing thing. I said, I'm not staying here. And I closed my eyes and imagined I was in the field and I was gone. When I came back, it was all over. I felt nothing. (laughs) <laughs> so
2: I would already start
0: to experience these these things outside uh, of God. So, yeah, so so martial arts, you know, I I'm not a guy who to say, oh, don't do martial arts. But when you, you just got to know when you get in, there is a part of it that leans into the occult practices of it where, you know, there's a reason why you can put your hands through a brick and you the first thing they teach you before you can do that is you got to be able to cultivate a certain amount of spiritual power inside of you so that you can do that
1: essentially it's it's a form of energy work i'm guessing
0: yeah, yeah. they teach you how to control your really you know energy and
2: yeah.
0: what, what was interesting is when i when i was taking the class You know, I I already knew I had my prophetic gifting and senses and, and, you know, they just they sharpen your instincts because, you know, what's coming. They just sharpen your instincts.
1: You saw people, their punches coming before they came at you.
0: I could. uh, Yeah, it was split second before. So I always so I was dominating the black belts. Now, mind you, this is a special forces class. I was a white belt, but he put you up on the floor against anybody. They were. But I was dominating the black belts and the brown belts. And and that's because I had this advantage at the time. I didn't know that it was something else that probably came from, you know, because if he's cultivating that kind of power at the top, then that spirit is ruling that particular dojo. And so my senses are, are sharp and I'm blocking everything, stopping everything. I can beat them to the punch. I'm faster. I'm stronger. And, I thought nothing of it. I I kept saying, "Wow, well, I kept saying to my wife, God is teaching me how to fight." That <laughs> wasn't being desert. He's teaching me how to fight cuz I was coming back to class with I can do this, I can do that. I could see it. All these I was being fed visually these revelations on how to fight.
1: So I said, "Oh, God
0: is teaching me how to fight." I'm I'm a So
1: you were kind of fight. like you were kind of like Neo in the Matrix getting his training going on. I was getting a download on fighting. I got a download right. on on, on fight. It,
0: it was yeah, it was just like that. And I didn't think anything of it until I hurt my back and I couldn't go back to class. And I wanted to go back. And by this time, I had started really engaging my relationship with God again. And and he said, um, no. I said, why not? I, said, but I love it. And so I figured maybe he didn't want me to go back because maybe my back is not quite where it needs to be. And then he also wanted me to write the book. So this is my first experience with learning about the reality of imagination. Now, Dave, I've never told anybody this. You'll be the first person, you and the listeners, you'll be the first person. I sat on the couch and my father said, well, if you want to practice your your forms, you know, in martial arts, the forms are those when you see us practice fighting ourselves, and you're supposed to imagine that there's somebody you're fighting and you start fighting that person, and that's how you strengthen your move, your speed, and all of that kind of stuff. Well, my father said, well, You, since your back is kind of messed up, do it in your mind. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it in my mind. So I'm doing it in my mind, and while I'm seeing myself practicing the, the movements, this black figure shows up. So I said, oh, so I'm fighting with this black figure, but as I'm fighting, I can feel every bit of movement. I mean, it feels like I'm punching for real, it feels like I'm kicking for real, and so I'm thinking what in the world is going on? So I said, oh, I'm just fighting with the creature and practicing my moves and, and I'm still strengthening my revelation and learning how to fight. Ooh, I can do that. Oh, that was a great move. Man, it wasn't long after. It was like a, a, so two weeks after I'm sitting on the couch and I feel something on my head. I was like, what is that on my head? I said, there's a spirit here and he's on my head. So I said, I'm going to fight it. And So I imagined myself fighting with this, this being and again, bam, he shows up. But again, I'm noticing it feels really real. It feels like I'm kicking, I'm punching. But the kicker for me at this time, I'm still thinking, well, this is just, just imagination. And until I realized I couldn't control him. And he was winning. and He was beating me up. <laughs> he was no longer partnering with me to teach me. <laughs> he was kicking my butt. So I finally won. And I lay back on the couch in just amazement, like, what is happening? And when I lay back, I was I was as tired and sore. Every place he hit me, I was sore on my body. My neck was sore from where he had jammed my neck. Everything was sore, and I slept for like twelve hours. I was so tired after that. Now my normal night of sleep is five to six hours. I, my wife couldn't figure out why I was so sleepy. And so from that experience, I learned mm, this is there's more to this imagination and things than then we would like to believe. And that maybe some of the things we see are not as unreal as we'd like to think. Because, you know, like you know, you and Michael know, when God first opened my eyes, I could see with them wide open. So I came home one night from, uh, and for, that was the first time I saw a, per- a demon cast out of a person. That freaked me out. And it was at the same church. This time it was another guy came in. And so I get home that night, and I'm looking out my window. And as I'm looking out the window, there are some eyes that are looking back at mine. And I'm going, what in the world is happening? I turn around, and it looks like I'm like, you know those waves when you're seeing in the spirit, like underwater? Yep. And I turn around, and there are demons in the room circling me, looking at me. And now I'm really, like, freaking out because I don't know what's happening. So I, I get on the bed. I try to cover my eyes with my own and the covers, but I could still see through everything. I could see the dresses. <laughs> I could see everything. And so I'm
2: going, ah, ah
0: so I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. So, uh, I'm sleeping with the lights on. And that's when I started battles with the sleep paralysis. And, and I, that's how I met some of the other ones. Like, you know, I used to rap didn't think nothing of my rap stuff, but part of my salvation story was I was rapping and really wasn't going anywhere, and but I always had these dry spells where I just had like a writer's block. I couldn't figure out what's going on with the writer's block. So what I would do is I, I started by sitting in the dark and I would sit in the dark and wait until I heard something. Didn't know I was listening at the time, but I knew I would hear a thought. And when I heard, it would always, if I got the first line, it would lead, and it would just run like a prophecy. It would just run. I could write for days off this inspiration. After a while, that didn't work. So I was like, hmm. I sat in the dark and started thinking of all of the painful experiences of my life. I don't know why I did that. I guess something told me. So I'm thinking of all, and I made myself angry. And now I'm writing in the dark and while I'm angry. But then that didn't work. So then I started listening (laughs) to crazy music. And it was drawing me in deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually I was, my songs took on such a crazy, crazy sound. And they were so dark and dreary. And I remember I was going, you know, it was just crazy. And I remember my friends used to say, Kevin, you're good at this, but we can't listen to your songs. Because for whatever reason, when we listen to your songs, it paints pictures in our minds of scary things. <laughs> I will never forget that. And I was like, what? So I was a little offended. So that's when I really started paying attention. And and that was how I got saved. Because one day i got mad at a family member and i had a vision but in the vision i was doing something hideous i was murdering the person and i said something is wrong i said something is wrong so then i, I then i had to really turn and you know i grew up in the church so i knew at least where to go so i went to god and he helped me out with this but so so when i've learned the value of imagination that's why when i teach people about listening and hearing it's really important uh, imagination cuz Like I talk about daydreaming. I've always been a daydreamer. So I teach parents, if you got kids that daydream, you need to pay attention to what they're looking at because God explained to me that daydreaming is to the spirit around what listening is to the natural realm. So when you turn off the TV and give your wife your attention, it's the same thing with your daydream because you know it captures your attention. Something captures your attention and the longer you look at it, the clearer it is, the more you can hear it. And so this is what they were doing to me when I was when I was rapping. And so that's why I knew that, OK, I have I, I'm operating the same way. You know how and you know, because I've heard you talk about how God deals with you, too, where he'll speak to you and you'll get concepts and ideas and you can, you know, prophetic inspiration. I usually get the same kind of prophetic inspiration when I was writing rap songs. It was the same exact same, the same exact method of listening and hearing and almost transcribing for something else but they the kicker the kicker was i met the spirit after my eyes opened because i didn't know anything i had gotten saved didn't know anything about it but when i laid on my bed one day and i went into one of my little daydreams where i, you know, I was supposed to be getting ready for work and i'm hearing this nice lyrics i am like oh it's a freestyle happening in my head so i lay back on the bed eyes wide open and i'm thinking oh man that's a nice i need I'm not rapping no more, but that show is a nice freestyle that's happening. For people who know freestyle is, that's when you just talk off the top of your head like prophecy. So, I, I'm, and all of a sudden, I start to think, well, if I'm thinking, then where's this song coming from? If those are my thoughts, and I'm sitting here thinking, wow, that's nice, then who is that rapping? When I said that, <laughs> the thing burst, he pinned me down to the bed and burst out laughing. And his laughter was just like mine and your voice. Because I was about that he had immersed me completely in
1: the spirit realm and I could hear it
0: just like that. His voice.
1: So the demon that had been giving you the dark rap songs came back and was giving you this different type of uh, like a flow. Yep. And then he jumped that. on you and pinned you down.
0: Yep. <laughs> and that's, how, that's when I started going, huh. But those experiences to me have been so valuable. Because I know that you know the word spirit means wind or breath. It's, it's really just inspiration. And so uh, I tell people when you're listening for God's voice, one of the things you definitely want to pay attention to, because when He says and Peter was filled and spoke, it just simply means He got inspired. And God will inspire you. He'll capture your attention, inspire you, and then you'll have this rush of thoughts that if you pay attention you you can dialogue with you can, you write them down you can say well god I, what about this and he'll give you an answer he'll give you a response sometimes it'll be in a picture sometimes it'll be in you know words but it, it's the same thing so when that thing pinned me down he taught me to that i have told satan and his dummies so many times i said look y'all come around all the time and I was y'all had more advantage over me when I was a complacent Christian Christian than now, because every time you come around, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to go ask God questions. I'm going to learn from the experience. And then I'm going to go tell everybody what I learned from my encounters with y'all. <laughs> You're losing I battle. Them. I tell them that. Every time I say, y'all are so dumb. Y'all are so dumb. This is, this is, this is where I've learned so much from, from fighting with them. I've had to fight with them. It's gotten, it's become normal to fight with them. I mean, I had to train my kids how to deal with them because I fight with them so much. Cause they really don't yeah. like what I know. And I love to tell what I know. Like, you know, I give it out on free for you, on YouTube. I tell <laughs> what I know.
1: So they, they That's hate you a little more. Well, I love your revelation about the imagination. This is something that I think man, if people could get a handle on the concept that we engage the spiritual realm through what most of us call our imagination mm-hmm. If calling it the imagination is a stumbling block, then call it something else it's your mind, it is your the spiritual gateway it, it it's the doorway to the spiritual realm as Jeez. soon as you Like, you know, because you talk to your kids about their daydreams, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I was a daydreamer, too, when I was a kid. People told me, don't daydream,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. be serious,
1: Mm -hmm. do your homework, do your things. And they were always encouraging you not to daydream. But like you, I have found that when you relax and you're at peace and you let your mind sort of drift toward the spiritual realm, Start when you start to think about God, focus on the kingdom, focus on something that the Holy Spirit may start a conversation with you about, the more you focus on that and the more you engage those thoughts, the farther mm-hmm. and farther down that road you can go. And if, if it's a demon <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. who
1: is having that conversation with you and you're engaging that demon, and you're engaging in that conversation, it's going to go further and further and further down the road that the demon wants to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and it all comes in through our imagination.
0: It all does. You know, God said to me one day, I'm I'm listen, I like to listen to my Bible, I got like the dramatized version. And so I'm listening to it and I'm noticing that every time somebody uh gets ready to encounter God, that they'll fall asleep and have a dream. And God said it's just a just that close. That's a dream away, just an imagination
1: away. And people don't realize it's just an imagination away. If I could tell you how many times I've had some crazy experiences in the ambulance between calls, (laughs) 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 literally at like two o'clock in the afternoon, we just clear a hospital, drop off a patient. We get in the ambulance. I'm getting a little tired. I close my eyes and bam, I'm asleep for like two minutes, but I will be totally in the spiritual realm doing something. Engaging some angel or some demon or the presence of God just comes over me and I'm getting caught up into the heaven doing something like it's the the, the spiritual world is that close that to close. what
0: you're doing. <laughs> People never ask, why does God say so much about the mind? Like gird up the loins of your mind. He gives you the helmet of salvation. Why does he say so much about it? And why do you tell us to transform it? It's really very important in our relationship with God. And and if we're not careful with how we handle it, that that's when we get in trouble. So I, I try to stress to people I say, look, God has a mind. Demons have a mind. Angels have a mind. We have a mind. So God starts showing me this commonality in the scriptures where, as it relates to the voice of God, or, or at least as it relates to the mind he was like, Kevin, you're really in both places at the same time. It's just a matter of what you choose to be aware of. He said, yep. because your spirit has a mind. He said, I have a mind. Demons have a mind. Angels have a mind. And he shows me where uh, Samuel is raised, comes back. Remember the, the witch at Endor bring him back? Samuel has his mind with him. His body's on earth, but his mind is gone with his spirit. And so we're always there. We just have to know how to become aware of
1: it. Yeah. One of the big verses that I that helps me understand that whole thing a lot is when Jesus said, be careful what you hear and be mm-hmm. careful how you hear. So he was telling people, look, there are doors, there are gateways. And mm-hmm. what you allow into your life through the things that you hear, through the things that you focus on. mm mm-hmm. The messages you listen to, the voices that you listen to in your, in your mind, what mm-hmm. you hear and how you hear become the rudder that steers your life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you use, if you start to focus on what the Holy Spirit is talking about, what you hear is what the Holy Spirit is saying or what the demons are saying. How you hear. How do you listen? Do you listen actively? Do you listen passively? Do you engage the Holy Spirit, when he's having a conversation with you, do you engage the demons when they want to start speaking to you? The mm-hmm. way in which you listen to those voices really does kind of become the rudder and the direction that your life goes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, Kevin, I want to talk about one more thing, and then I'm going to probably let you go because we've been on here for a while.
0: <laughs> we easy. had
1: – <laughs> yeah, I know. I could too. We had a conversation – a while back on Facebook about the spiritual causes of sickness Mm -hmm. because the Lord was teaching you about how demons cause people to be sick. Mm -hmm. And you had some interesting experiences with that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um,
0: Well, because God talks to me about various things and, and I'm going to share it. I get, so I understand what Paul says when so he says because of the multitude of revelations, a demon was assigned his life. So I get these these assignments where where they come after me uh, for things that God says. So he talks to me and I get in trouble. Especially if he talks to me about <laughs> stuff with them and I get in trouble. So what they had begun doing is every time he talks to me, they send sickness to the house. And I was like, man, what's going on? People keep getting sick in the house. So and what they were trying to do was jump from the kids to me, but they couldn't get to me. They kept trying and, and it wouldn't stay. And so I said, okay, I'm going to have to start teaching these, these children about how to resist, still teaching them. They've gotten better. Uh, so that's where it started. But one of the things he began showing me is like Christians will say Christians can't have demons, but when you look at Jesus ministry, he, except in Mary Magdalene's case, you see Jesus, he doesn't cast out spirits of fear. He doesn't cast out anger, malice, lust. He doesn't cast out those spirits. Now, we know that they exist, and we know we cast them out. And I think he didn't put that in there because he knew we would figure that part out, which we have. But the part that people generally miss is they don't look at the fact that all of Jesus' ministry and casting out demons, the majority of it was casting out demons that caused some kind of sickness. It was deafness. It was uh, seizures. Seizures, right? It was. It was always something sick. Uh,
1: and, fever. fever. Peter's mother right. had a fever. Yep. And and so
0: I, I but I couldn't argue that with anybody. I was like, man, cause, you know, Christians are <laughs> try to argue down about whether Christians can have a demon. And so one day I was reading Acts where Paul is carrying handkerchiefs from his body. And for the first time, I saw where it says, it says, and handkerchiefs came from, the, from uh, Paul's body and were taken to the sick. And sickness, it says, and disease left them and evil spirits went out of them. I said, well, hold on. That's two separate things. And they're both in the same thing, sick people. I said, there's a relationship here. And so then God really started talking because then he started showing me how all of these things related to the law so when you look at the law they are uh fever is, is one of the curses in the law uh mental illness is one of the curses in the law so you can see all of these different curses in the law and then for the first time i started noticing that every time israel lost a battle it was because of the curse of the law so you know because we read the bible we kind of separate things it's like we isolate this experience like with Achan when at the city of ai we think oh well he just stole the babylon he did what god told him not to do and so and took the, the stuff and hid it in his tent and he covered in it so but when you go back to the law god already tells you what's going to happen and so what he did was directly related to that and, and so the sicknesses and disease were related to that law and so when jesus comes on the scene jesus comes to the to israel at a time when they've been they're under the curse of the law which means they, they're under the curse of the law and you can see that demons are involved in all of these curses so god is explaining all of this to me i've never thought about it before never noticed that jesus came during that period you just think he just came to israel during a time when it's under roman rule but you don't tie the fact that the reason they' they're under roman rule when he said i will make you the, the bottom and not the top was because they had been disobedient and they were now living under this curse of the law. And and you also see that because there are a lot of strange things that Jesus says that you'd be like, well, why would Jesus say that? He says to a man, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He's like, well, why would Jesus say that? Because up until that point, Jesus hadn't died. And so this man was still subject to those curses in the law. And Jesus himself alludes to the fact that The problem in his life was directly related to what he had done. Uh, Then you'll see the disciples say, who was born blind, this man or his parents? And it seems like a strange question until you realize they're asking those questions because they're asking them in accordance
1: with their law. They understood that if somebody was born blind or some sickness, it was because somebody had broken the law. (laughs) It was all related to the law.
0: Yeah, but I've heard preachers preach that and say, "Oh, they just made it made light of it." And I did too until God started talking to me about this. And so then He starts to show me when Satan is comes at Job, all of the things he did for Job were in the curses of the law. His children were attacked, his land was attacked, and, and on the other side of that, all of the things that Job experiences. Uh, Because he had been faithful and obedient, and God says, "You'll have your children will be blessed. You'll be multiplied. You know, everything will be blessed." And so, so are
1: you are you referring to the curses and blessings in Deuteronomy? Right. Okay. Right.
0: You you can see those in Job. You can see both of them in Job. So God is teaching me, had been teaching me all of this, so that I could make this stance. Because when Paul says. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. They understood what that meant. The church doesn't understand what that means. We just think, well, we just, God just threw away the law. But he literally removes the power of the curse of the law. Well, one of the things that God began showing me was Satan had a job. And so you'll see an evil spirit went out from the Lord. You see passages like, and it seems strange. Why would an evil spirit go out from the Lord? That is until you go to Revelation, and he says, well, you have no more job here, Satan. The blood has resolved this issue, and you no longer have a job. He has no job because he can't enforce a law that is now dead. And so now he's just here kind of running around rampant. And so he doesn't literally have <laughs> any right to this. So God said he don't have any legal right. He's operating outside of his right. And look, I, was, I read your, your uh, Court of Heaven dream, and I said God is telling him the same thing. Because when you're in your court of heaven, you talk about going before the judge and you ask for the books to be open. And because the, you're, you're going into it because the demon thinks he has a right. But well, there's, right. nothing, there's nothing in the books because Jesus
1: has resolved it. So he really doesn't have a right. He doesn't have a right. That's one of the things that I get into dis- discussions with people who they come from the word of faith movement and they've been taught that there are no legal rights that the enemy has any longer to afflict us. So why are we going to court to try to remove a legal right that the enemy doesn't have in the first place anymore? Well, they're not understanding what the enemy is actually doing. What the enemy's doing now is illegal. It's unlawful. There's, they don't have a legal right to afflict us with sickness. They think they do, but they don't. So we have been given power and authority.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: What does authority mean? It means go out and arrest lawless criminals.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All right, so a criminal breaks into your house and robs your TV and your furniture. Well, he doesn't have a legal right to your stuff. Right. He's a he's a criminal. He's a breaking criminal. the law. Mm-hmm. If he breaks the law, you take him to court and you get your stuff back. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all we're doing in the courts of heaven is we're just apprehending these stupid demons who think can go and you know put all this stuff on us. We take them to court and say no. Just, Judge, why don't you sentence him with whatever you think is good, and I want my stuff back. Yeah,
0: Because they so. literally, they literally have nothing. And so with that information, I'm, I always make my stand because they're going to come. They're going to come because they're going to still try to enforce what they believe they have a right to. And so for us, if we don't know our rights, then we don't stand. And especially, like, we, we're in healing ministry. But God doesn't promise us we're always going to pray for people that are non-contagious. So what do you do when you have to pray for somebody that's <laughs> contagious? You right. you will be inclined not to. Like Jesus had to cleanse leprosy, but that was contagious. It was highly contagious, and it was a gross disease. And so, and I, I want, and so for people who want to operate in healing, it's almost imperative that they understand their right, because they will they will try to attack. Uh, they will try to intimidate you. We're going to make you sick, too. We, they're, they're going to try to do that. So you have to stand your ground. And then we know that sickness is used to oppress. It's, you can't do anything from God on your sick bed. And so getting people to, to understand that and accept that. And I'll tell you, they tried to make me scared to teach that. I was like, man, people are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to I, think I'm, you know, get going you. off the deep end with this one.
1: Yeah, I get Gosh, if I could tell you how many messages a week I get from people saying "I want to go out and heal the sick, I want to have a healing ministry, I want to see miracles, but I, I got to get myself healed first they they've got something whether it's multiple sclerosis or depression or yeah. asthma or something they just got they just have this mindset like i I can't go out and heal people until I get healed first, so they spend five or six years trying to get themselves healed and they never step out and heal anybody else well guess what you are doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do the enemy has afflicted you with something mm-hmm. and you are pre- letting it prevent you from going out and healing other people you yeah. know my my wife has a list of sicknesses as long as your arm and really? we have prayed oh yeah she's got everything from leaky gut she has chronic sinus problems she's got Food allergies. She's got all kinds of stuff, but she's been healed of some things. She Mm -hmm. had herniated discs in her back. She got healed. She had a torn rotator cuff and a frozen shoulder. She got healed. So we're we're doing warfare. We're getting her healed of things, you know, one at a time. But none of that stuff stops her from praying for people to be healed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm the same way, you know. I've got you know a few things I'd like to get healed of. I've been praying. People have prayed over me. I haven't been healed of it, but that doesn't stop me from going out and kicking some demon butt and getting people healed. <laughs> yeah, and what I try
0: to you, I try to tell them, I'm not trying to tell them that you'll never get sick. I try to, to tell them how to make your stand if you do. Because one of the things I said in one of the videos, and I thought I was going to get a lot of kickback from because people don't like to believe it. I said demons know your thoughts. Well, do demons know your thoughts? Yes, yes they do. Yes, they do. And it's hard for them to accept that.
1: They hate it. They hate to believe that Because people think, oh, that means they're omniscient. No, right. it doesn't. It does not mean they're omniscient. To be omniscient means you know everything. Mm-hmm. Okay? All people don't understand is like when you go into a dream, and you're in a dream, and you're talking to somebody, you're not talking to them. You're <laughs> exchanging thoughts back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know what they're thinking, and they know what you're thinking. Right. That's how communication is in dreams, Right right and it's hard to communicate that to people it's a spiritual world the spiritual it's a spiritual principle thoughts are exchanged from one mind to another there isn't any talking going on there isn't anybody right. hearing anything demons know your thoughts simply because that's how communication is done in the spiritual world and, and you know what i tell people i tell them you know <laughs> if,
0: when when the when they ran across the demon that they couldn't cast out the disciples Jesus said, they said, well, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, because of your unbelief. Well, how did the demon know they didn't believe? So they, they were able to perceive that while you might be saying one thing, you're really thinking something else.
1: And they won't <laughs> respond to you because know. Kevin, how many church meetings have you been to where people are screaming, I'm standing on my authority. I'm claiming my authority. I am pleading the blood of Jesus. I am doing this and I am doing And they're screaming and hollering. And the whole time they are in nothing but unbelief and fear, yep. like their mouth is saying one thing, but their spirit is saying something else, and yep. nothing changes. And it don't change
0: because they know what they're thinking, and they only gonna respond to, to what? what you believe, exact. which come from the inside of you. You can say all you want, they know what you believe, and they know you, what you believe, <laughs> and they will only respond. One of the things I learned from them attacking me those early years is they will only respond to authority they as long they know when you are afraid and because i was afraid that's why they were attacking me and they they were attacking me like every week for months for months so much so that i was i was 21 i was still at home i was running up my parents electric bill they were gonna kick me out because i was scared to turn off the light as long as i was
1: afraid (laughs) they attacked me. the demons. knew you were afraid they sensed fear and as long as they knew you were afraid they knew they had they could just do whatever they wanted with you and they were like dogs and heat they were on me and once i started and this is where
0: it goes back to where we started with trust once i started to say the name of jesus and they would back off and once i began to realize hey hold on there there's something here then i was like oh i have authority in that thing once i got that oh Nothing. Nothing. It, it didn't matter. Then it was.
1: Then it was game on for you. It was game on. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, "I give you authority over the power of the enemy." That's right. Because the power that the enemy has, the enemy has power. Mm-hmm. But what the enemy doesn't have is authority. Doesn't and have authority. So our authority trumps their power.
0: Every time. Every time. So that's how I make my stand. Like when they come around, and, and because I get to see them, when they come around, I can see them. So my daughter can see them too. So she knows that some of the ones that cause allergies and some of the other ones. And I tell people the demons aren't illness because there's two things left to say demons and sickness. I mean, demons and, or demons and sickness, but they are related. They, call, they can bring them, they can cause
1: them. The, the demon is not the sickness itself, the demon causes the condition. Somehow, and I don't understand how this works, but, you know, like demons that cause seizures or demons that cause uh, asthma, they don't actually have the physical sickness themselves. The demon isn't the sickness. It causes it in your body. Mm -hmm. It it sets up a situation where that condition happens in your body. Hard to describe, but that's what happens. Yeah, because I think they want,
0: one way they set up conditions, and then one of the things God started talking to me about is the practical side. It's like when I hurt my back, I legitimately hurt my back and when I was taking my carotica. It, it was a legitimate injury. And I strengthened it and did the exercises and got it all together. But one day I'm walking around, I was shoveling snow that year. And I thought I hurt my back again. But I noticed there's something running around that the, ran that ran into the room. I said, this is a spirit of pain. So I said, spirit of pain, get out of here. And so he left and the, the pain went. And so sometimes they take advantages of injuries that are already there.
1: Oh, yeah, so. that's classic. After Denise got healed of her herniated discs in her back, she went out and she was cleaning the pool and she was scrubbing the floors and she was doing housework she hadn't done for five or six months. But over the next two or three days, she would have these small twinges of back pain that would come back. And she knew it was a demon. So she would just rebuke the spirit of pain command it to leave and the pain would go. Mm-hmm. And it you know, five or six hours later it would come back, she would command it to leave and it would go. That happened two or three days and then they finally gave up. she, she was standing against it and wasn't gonna let it happen and they they quit. <laughs> yeah,
2: <'cause laughs>
1: they had enough <laughs> They will they will, they'll back up. If you make
0: your stand, they
1: will they'll back off. Yep. They'll back off. They'll go find somebody else to harass who isn't gonna make a stand against them, really. Mm-hmm. This is all interesting to me. I could talk about this
0: stuff all day.
1: I could too. How about if I have you back on the podcast sometime?
0: Hey, that's good with me. you' a talker
1: I'm a talker. yeah. well, I have company coming tonight, and I got to clean my house. Denise has been cleaning the house while we've been talking. I'll tell, uh, I gotta, I say hello. I, I'll tell her you said hello. She does
0: beautiful and
1: She does have some pretty darn good stuff going on right it's now. beautiful. She's working on uh a series of abstract paintings right now. They're kind of a little bit like landscapes, but they're they're abstract. I'm interested to see what that's gonna look like when she's all done with it. But yeah, uh Kevin, it has been awesome talking to you, brother. Uh I I'm know <laughs> Man, I, I know these conversations are gonna help people. I'll put links to your books and your website uh okay. in the podcast notes so people can find you. All right, thank you. And uh, I appreciate your time more than I can tell you, brother.
0: Uh, Same here. Call anytime, Dave.
1: Anytime. (laughs) All right. I'll call you again sometime, and we'll talk some more. Okay. All right. 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 Thanks, man. Bye. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com, That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.